into positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. Okay. All right. Here we are. I read a really depressing story yesterday about uh, somebody who went to a funeral in New York, and they said that they like they their friend died and was a nurse or something, and they went to the funeral home, you know, and there was just like funeral shit happening, and uh, then the like the casket is like in front of this big curtain, right? But, like, the curtain wasn't closed all the way, I guess. And they, they just said, like... I read an article about it. I'll link the article if you want to read this and fact check it, I guess. But uh, uh, they said there was just a foot in, like, the corner of the... the cur- like, next to the curtain. Like, you're looking at a stage, you know? There's, like, a curtain's not closed okay. all the way. They're like, there's a foot over there, right? And uh, <laughs> they got up. And they were like, why the fuck is there just a foot sticking out of the curtain? And they pulled back the curtain pile of corpses just like sitting on a tarp right this is a funeral home right uh mm-hmm. this is how bad it's a house getting. of corpses <laughs> and how- you know there's a truck driver somewhere like where did i put my pile <laughs> <laughs> yeah house of a bunch of fucking corpses not a thousand let's not go crazy but like they, they took a picture the picture's in the article right it's just a bunch of dead people like splattered out on a, on a tarp and, like, they don't even, I don't know if this is just, just funeral shit or whatever, but, like, the point of the article was, like, they didn't even cover their faces. Like, that's how disturbing it was. You know, I guess you're supposed to cover a corpse's face. Uh, and they yeah. were really freaked out. It would be weird if they were still in a pile, but their faces were covered. Yeah. That would look far more <laughs> yeah. sinister. They're all still wearing masks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they should be, because, you know, corpses, when they, like, decompose gas comes out of them and it probably comes out through the mouth right. hole i would assume it's the biggest hole in the human body they probably should and they come out and yeah PCs comes out pee comes out they start they, all their their skin shrinks so the facial hair looks like it's being grown right dead people the thing is and this some people think this is des- disrespectful but they'd be shitting and farting <laughs> <laughs> non-stop they love to do it so- i smell dead people some people think that's disrespectful, but they do be shitting and farting. Uh, yeah, I've seen them do it. I'm just saying. I'm just saying what I've been seeing when I go to my one. I go to a funeral for my friend, and the piles there. You know when you look at the curtain and they got that pile. I, none of the faces are covered. That's. I mean, that's. I made a mistake. I I had to put down a dog. My dog when I was like 15, God. and I was. I made the mistake of sitting like directly behind it as I was watching. <laughs> I'm oh, her, no. and then I just look down, and I'm just covered in a, a, a flood of piss. <laughs> this is fuck? your origin story. This is how it. This is how autism happens. <laughs> Wait. Wait, how did you have to put your dog down? Like what method? They euthanized her. They just, you know, stuck a. They put. I think it was like a. a some put it on her her front face 
Yeah, yeah. Then they have the Check cheeky bet that's like, hey, little boy, stand right here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, who's getting me? It's going to be fucking epic. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why this story's so, like, disturbing to me, but I think it's because, like, it, the best place they had to store all the corpse, corpses was just behind a huge curtain, like, directly right. behind where they put the casket. It's pretty fucked up. <laughs> yeah, it's. But, yeah, it makes it feel like it's like a vaudeville act that's about to start or something, you know? And now, twenty <laughs> dead people. <laughs> <laughs> da, da, da. They're not moving or anything. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Is that what they're gonna do? If did the SNL cast, do they have to sign a contract that if they die, they they their corpses have to keep performing? That's right. So they just they make you sign it Yeah. This industry is corrupt to the top. I tell you, the <laughs> fact they make you sign that. <laughs> it's never right. had to be enforced yet. <laughs> All right, everyone. Welcome to the show. <laughs> welcome. Uh, Hi. I'm, I'm Jake Flores. Alex Patak's here. Hi, I'm Jake's Red. Welcome to the show. I like that that's your new sign-on. It's, it makes me feel good that you're my friend. Yeah, we, all we have is each other and a mound of corpses behind a curtain. Uh, Anders Lee is here. Oh, Jake? Maybe he's not. Oh, I sorry, I didn't hear you. Uh, but Anders Lee here. Yeah! Woo! Yeah, boy. All right. Ha ha! The fuck? It's Anders time! <laughs> I'm gonna turn off my video. I think that'll speed things up a little bit. Hold on. That might be what's up. I get that that fucking corpse story. I guess has been stuck in my craw because like, uh, I talked to. Somebody. No, we lost Jake again. No. Uh-oh. Oh no. Hold on. Jake, what house now are you recording at you. today? I'm at Kate's place. Oh, okay. Wait. Can you not hear me? Now we can. Uh, now we can you. hear you. You just dropped out for a second, but I trust that Kate is cleaning her internet. The way girls do. Yeah. Keeping it tip-top shape. She's cleaning her internet. She's getting one of those girl... Never mind. (laughs) Get what, what, Anders? (laughs) Not to make a joke about certain things interfering with internet. So this somehow gets incredibly racist. (laughs) All right. You can't. I mean, if you listen to the show, you might not know, but at least once an episode, Andrews will come out of left field with some obscenely <laughs> offensive shit we have to take out. Because <laughs> he doesn't hold back. He's a no-holds-barred comic. Well, yeah, speaking of yeah. no-holds-barred comics, I guess the reason that story about that funeral home kind of stuck out to me is because, like, the the graphic for the story was the corpses. Like, it was just, like, really in your face. And... Uh. Uh, but also, I talked to like someone in Texas this week who just like doesn't think that the corpse thing is real. Like they were like, "Oh, the the whole story with the refrigerator trucks is fake." Uh, you know, it's not really happening. And uh, I don't, I don't think people really die. <laughs> there there <laughs> are COVID truthers, and there's a guy who used to be like a, just a comedian in Austin or whatever, uh, who just was an edgelord and then he wasn't good at comedy and then he was like an ONA guy and then he was a conspiracy theory Alex Jones guy and like he's I'm just looking at his Twitter and it's now it's a hundred percent like uh you know 
don't wear a mask. It's all fake. Uh, the government's trying. He's like a conspiracy theorist or right. whatever. Uh, so you like went it's on a, a conspiracy. The governor came up to stop women from kissing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I guess I'm like kind of fascinated with like how people ended up there because like I feel like we're almost in like flat Earth territory where like you can't really prove these people wrong unless you go grab a corpse from the corpse pile or something. Like, there's an argument to be made. Like, no one really knows what's happening. You could pose a flat earthy kind of argument that's like impossible to prove wrong, but still extremely fucking stupid. That, like, this is all just a big sham or whatever, you know? I don't know. It's kind of weirding me out. Well, I think it's like really, it's part of American culture now to foster that kind of mentality, you know? Like, the. the I think the best one-on-one comparison I can think of is, you know, everyone has questions about 9-11, especially right after it happened, right? But there was a very popular type of guy who was like, I know what happened. And it's the government trying to get to me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Shady Records was 30 seconds from the towers. Hey Bush, you missed. <laughs> and I feel like that kind of mentality <laughs> is now just fostered. It like just pops up every five years in a different form. And so right now we get it, it's like um you know when we talked to uh, Eli Sayers on the on the uh, primary road trip episode, and he was telling us that, like uh, uh you know in in the South the cool guys who break all the rules were the conservatives. And then like the lame goody two shoe guys were the Dems. Yeah. I think the same kind of mentality that makes you like, man, fuck everybody else. It's a free market. Get out there and hustle. Also logically leads to just like, they're keeping me inside because they hate that I go to restaurants. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's, it's strange because you would think that, um, they would listen to Trump who is saying that the coronavirus is real, you know, he, he'll at the same time validate people who want, you know, uh, things to be opened back up in different states. But like, if, I don't know, I feel like Trump's strategy should be to just double down on it not being real. Just like continue to deny it, you know? Then he can't be held accountable for like fucking things up if he can just say like, no, it's, it's, it's all the hoax folks. Well, he's walking a thin line there because he he wants to do that more than anything, but he yeah. also doesn't want to be held accountable for a like genocide of dead Americans, <laughs> so, which will happen if he just opens everything up again. So he's just saying that and then doing whatever the science chief or whatever tells him to do for now. But apparently they might wind down the coronavirus task force. Right, you were saying that. (laughs) I don't know what they're doing specifically right now, but I don't want them to stop doing it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's being reported right now in the New York Times, but it could just be, you know, Trump on a whim saying this to somebody, whispers, you know, uh, circulating. But, uh, I mean... Yeah, I, he doesn't. He wants people to get back to work and stuff. So I think at a certain point he might just go full denialist. Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, I feel like he's also getting really like into the like doomer shit though, because he's been tweeting 
I mean, he, he's been alternating between just ridiculous Trump shit, like where he calls people haters and stuff, and then also just talking like Deckard Cain from Diablo, where he's like, he tweeted <laughs> the other day, this tweet starts with a dot, 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 like an ellipses. It's not continuing. Like there was more before. Yeah, but it's, it's not continuing anything. <laughs> it says, and then came a plague. So it's like, he's tweeting like biblical shit. <laughs> like a sentence starts... And then came a plague, and plague is capitalized for no reason. And then came a plague, a great and powerful plague, (laughs) and the world. (laughs) World and plague are both capitalized. I'm not even going to point out what parts are capitalized, because it's like, it it would just fuck up the rhythm of this. But here we go. (laughs) And then came a plague, a great and powerful plague, and the world was never to be the same again, exclamation point. But America rose from this death and destruction, comma, always, comma for no reason, always remembering its many lost souls and the lost souls all over the world and became greater than ever before. This is apropos of nothing, like before there, or after There was this tweet. no way someone was hired to make that tweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was like before and after. Um, that that was one of the tweets that they let him do. You can tell there are some that are like clever, where they have like you know some sort of like media people that make those cool videos and shit. But uh-huh. like that was him just going off, really getting into the role of like like prophet or something. Like I don't even know. Yeah, He's like, yeah, yeah. Prophet of the apocalypse. Cause like that that sauce is straight from the chef. <laughs> there, it has a real feel too of him like being like, I know there's a Bible verse for this, but I can't look it up. I'll make a better one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're like like straddling this weird line between coronavirus isn't real or it was made in a lab or I, it's just good that it's the end of the world or something. You can tell right. how reactionary it is because it's. If you get sick, you are a sinner. You had it coming. God doesn't want you to be here anymore. <laughs> yeah, like those the people that are deniers are going to flip immediately as soon as they get it or someone they know gets it, and reach for like the quickest explanation that just isn't, uh, you know, something that would just like shatter their whole idea of how the world works. I guess, which is weird because this isn't even like. I don't know. I thought we were going to like go to war or something. We're going to have this big I told you so like anti-capitalist sort of point of view and go like this shouldn't have happened because of profits or whatever. But I, I feel like we just like the, I think we're getting killed by the guy in the background of too many cooks like he was just here the whole time. This has nothing to do <laughs> right. with like government or anything. And uh, <laughs> we're dying. And the fact that our government is set up bad is like a big part of what's happening but not really the end all be all you're saying this is like a Shyamalan twist yeah it has like nothing to do with anything that we were and an unrelated villain comes and gets us all when we were all looking the other way but the thing is it wouldn't get us all if we did have a government that made sense <laughs> because there's a very easy way to stop this that every other country has tried to do some to some success right <laughs> right Except right. those like fucking I'm... bastard Swedes. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, explain. You know they're not. They're they're not doing anything. They're just like business as usual. Wait, really? Yeah. Why? And it's because they have great health care, so they just figure like, oh, we can we can brave this. 
And they're doing, I mean, there are more, I think there are more cases there, but they are doing as a whole about as well as everybody else. Right, right, right. Well, you know, if you've seen Midsummer, you know that in that region, there is a culling of the elderly at a certain point, <laughs> uh-huh. and it is just a, one of the seasons of life. Wait, it is right? it like just winter came early this year for them. It is May. <laughs> yeah. It's the yeah. midsummer month when there would be a, like a May Queen, you know, like in the movie. <laughs> uh-huh. Right, but there is no May Queen. Instead, it's just, it's just everyone over 65 suddenly disappearing. <laughs> Which is not unlike a lot of what the uh, liberals of the U.S. are saying, is that we just need to fucking let people die when they turn a certain age. Yeah. So in a way, it's natural. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not the future we could have right just yeah swap in yeah. the market for traditional swedish fucked up culture yeah so i'm gonna give jay i'm gonna give jake's theory a a 50 approve <laughs> in that uh definitely didn't see this coming but also if we had any kind of health system that made sense it wouldn't be half as bad <laughs> yeah 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 i snopes you we would be <laughs> south korea or whatever i don't know man i don't have uh, a particularly smart analysis of this right now because like it's just been hitting me in waves like i've been i was really excited to quarantine like i was like i got i'm more equipped for this than everyone else i get to stay inside and be on the internet fucking i'm your guy but like uh just keeps hitting me in weird waves in like the middle of the night where i like look outside I'm like oh the end of the world is happening uh yeah <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what do you guys think what do you think is happening what do we do i this is not a good premise for a podcast question but i'm just it, i'm like out well, of we're, ideas we're, we're veering into like duncan trussell territory of like how do you cope with the end <laughs> uh i don't know i can't decide i've been doing pretty well and i don't think my experience is like anything teachable or relatable for most people but uh, I, I just I, I've been very cynical for so long about what the future was going to be like. And I think a lot of socialists have, especially if you're like a climate obsessed person like I am, that to have a version of this where you don't have to physically leave your house where, because water's coming in um, does feel like I can mentally get through this part. Yeah, I mean... I think this is revealing the how our economy is structured, like who actually makes the economy run. And people are realizing that. And I think, you know, the more venal capitalists are about throwing people back into the fucking meat grinder, the disease grinder, uh, the more possibility there is for labor militancy. So in that way, you know, it's not really a positive or negative thing. It's that's just the way forward is uh, supporting strikes and, you know, get radical, trying to radicalize people who do um, control the economy. You know, they're not necessarily conscious of the fact that their labor is is making things function, right. but they have the power to shut everything down. And I think that's becoming more and more apparent. And the and I think like the ruling class is is, is freaking out because they don't really know what to do. They don't know if they should appease their workers um, 
or if they should just be extra punitive because there's downsides to either way. You know, if they're if they appease them too much and the workers will say like, hey, why don't we have this stuff all the time? Why don't we have these benefits, you know, even when there's not a pandemic? If they're too uh, venal, then the workers are going to like might fight back. So there's potential here. I don't know. No one knows where it's going to go. But um, I think this is bringing us into like a new sort of era and possibly like a new relationship between labor and capital or at least a new um a, a new understanding of class consciousness don't in, you in think though so that that our economy just based on the fact it's so full of jobs that do not do anything uh uh <laughs> put us at a point of confrontation for that like how do you have a militant labor union of like content creators you know well like, that's, I know... but that's not yeah so there are a lot of people such as myself who you know are not really affected by this in uh in any negative way to be you know perfectly blunt but right but like, there's i mean millions I don't know about... of people who are who are frontline workers that's like I mean, that's who's who's making the economy run right now. So that's who I'm talking about. You know, those are the people who are going to feel the consequences of this the most. And those are the people who stand the most to to gain if they, you know, uh, are exposed to the real. I mean, not to say people aren't conscious of this already, but if we, you know, are able to support their right to strike and unionize and do things, then that could lead to something. Because if that is still the majority of the economy is, you know, uh, low wage jobs and people who we would call essential now. Sure. But this that's the interesting part, man. That's what I'm that's what I'm saying is you're 100 percent right. And there is a whole swath of people, a massive swath of Americans who are just on the chopping block right now. And politically, like if you look at Democrats and Republicans, no one knows what to do about it. But the historical comparison, the parallel everyone looks to for the last huge economic collapse is the 1930s with the Great Depression, which had a uh, mili- like an, a militant labor movement spring up out of the need for one to arise because so many people are on the chopping block. But if you look at like who worked as a quote-unquote essential worker in 1930 and who works as one now, just percentage-wise, it's like 70% versus 30% or something. 19, like there's, 1930 was 70%? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so many I, more people maybe. had jobs that made things, whereas now that is not the reality. Like oh, you, you mean manufacturing? Manufacturing, service. There's still more, like, more service people than non, but okay, you still have 40% of the country that just like works at Dunder Mifflin or like well, but there's you know also I mean? massive massive unemployment in the 30s too. So there's a ton of like people who weren't doing anything. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying, but like I know so many people who are just like working from home right now. So I don't know how that throws a wrench in the whole situation. Like do we get better if we can just game through this? Uh I don't know. You mean do we get better? You mean do we get uh, better politically yeah 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 like is there any kind of uh push for reform or improvement if the reactionary owning class or the uh the bourgeoisie is allowed to just like further distance themselves from the situation i don't know how they can i mean they're they're gonna have to either send people back to work or 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 not you know they have to make that choice and and it's we don't know how the working class is going to react probably will be, you know, in many different ways, but, 
uh, yeah, I think the key now is just support strikes, you know, um, support unions. There's a there's an effort right now uh, through DSA, but it's another organization where that's like letting people know how to form a union if they uh, are in fields where they, you know, place, workplaces where they don't have one yet. Um, right. So I think stuff like that is the future. I mean, even before this. Oh, and quick pitch, the pandemic, by the way. <clears throat> Sure. I just wanted I'll let you go back to a second. But uh, up coming up, we do have an interview with one of our friends, David Bradley Eisenberg, fellow comedian is trying to unionize his journalist outfit right now in the middle of the coronavirus and how that's going. So if you're trying to unionize, look out for that in a few minutes. Boom. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I was just going to like even before the pandemic. Right. The, you had a record nice. number of strikes in the past couple of years, like labor militancy is on the upswing it's you know it's been so down for so long but uh this is already this is already starting to come to a head before coronavirus broke out yeah but do you think like i don't know something that's bothering me about this is that i think like the fact that everyone has to stay inside and ex- exist 100 percent online and shit i guess it was already kind of like this but like uh you know you're talking about these people that have like work from home jobs now where they're just sort of like okay i live in my living room and i work on my laptop and that's work and you know I, whatever i'll just ride this out like this Does it like kind of like further disconnect people from the reality that in order to fix this you probably have to support strikes and workers and stuff like that because i feel like those people were already really sure yeah, yeah. Are real bad and now when i talk to them they're just like vote you know like uh, hope and all this shit and it, the picture of hillary with the vote mask on that's like extremely doomer and cursed and shit uh i don't know it was already impossible to explain this to those fucking people but while they're like sitting inside playing animal crossing and stuff and just going like well joe biden will fix it or whatever it seems those like people are always gonna be the last to come around if they do you know i yeah i think the key now is is organizing people who are we're frontline workers, you know, and that's not that's not the people you're talking about. Yeah, but Jake is right. I mean, that's a huge yeah. block of the American public. And the, I'm I'm putting my money on uh, in terms of the Doomer Gamble table. Like we're going to be sold to war in the next five years so fast. People want one so bad. <sighs> I mean, just the Venezuela stuff in the news today. I mean, that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, we don't need to go into too much detail on it, but uh, uh, there's just like a naked coup attempt in Venezuela by people with U.S. government IDs on them. <laughs> they brought at them least to pretend Venezuela. to be Canadian. <laughs> they did an oopsies abroad, and the way the media is covering it is like, yeah, they tried to release that clip of them being detained by the Venezuelan military as like, look how they're mistreating our guys that are over there for some reason or whatever but like it's pretty hard to watch that and not go wait a minute why the fuck are like cia people in venezuela you know wait why did we send spies over there right now (laughs) and they're not being mistreated really they're in the clip that they released like one of the guys is handcuffed or something and then like you know somebody in combat gear like reaches over and does that shit where they like put it like push his head down or whatever which is like you know, that sucks, but, like, 
you you're a you invaded a Are foreign you a CIA country. trained spy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, they had every right to kill you. You know, they're probably just going to send you back. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because, like, they probably thought it would be extra easy to topple Maduro now that there's a pandemic. But he's been, like, handling it pretty well. Like, the people of Venezuela, like, they, yeah, no I believe shit. they suspended rents. There, people are, like, like, people are. One of my favorite type you know, of Facebook person <laughs> right now is, like, dumb libertarian guys that are like, you see how you're getting a sneak peek of what socialism is like <laughs> when you go to the fucking supermarket. <laughs> and you're like. We're not living in socialism, and this is happening. What is even the fucking reasoning here? Also, I don't think that's happening in like Venezuela and Cuba and shit. This should be so fucking obvious, and it's not. This is the, the, the guy who comes home to find his wife has left him. They're like a sneak peek of socialism. <laughs> they take your wife. Yeah. <laughs> Those people are like so obsessed with the idea that like grocery stores don't have won't have shit on their shelves because that happened at some point in like the soviet union or something but like this is not a good worldview imagining that and then working backwards from any situation to justify whatever you know voting for a libertarian or whatever the fuck right to them socialism is either like a shortage of something or just a preponderance of the same thing but because it's all one brand, it doesn't matter how much of it there is. It's just We would be so much better off right now if there was one brand of a ton of shit at the grocery store and we just went yeah. and got it and went, you know, back to staying inside or whatever. There's a shortage because we have this stupid system where there have to be a bunch of different fucking brands for you to choose from. Right. And because we're not actually using the Defense Production Act to like to do some fucking central planning. Yeah. Yeah, this is. A, I mean, it's also just like a terrible time to throw a coup anywhere because right now the American to public thinks Donald Trump is doing a good job with the coup. <laughs> I mean, it's a disease. I mean, like anyone, they, they looks good right now just because they have the job. Good for you. You're the big. You're daddy for America. Man, I don't know. Speaking of grocery stores, uh, do you remember a couple years ago when uh, the police just invaded a Trader Joe's in Silver Lake and shot a woman for no reason? I actually I don't, don't remember that. that. This was a friend of mine. This is going to sound like the most making it about me sentence ever, but that was a friend of mine's friend. Uh, <laughs> Who got shot? Yeah. Um, fuck, actually, I'm sorry I'll tell you off mic, but you know this person too. Anders, uh, okay. was a friend of a friend of ours, two degrees separated. That woman got shot, right? Uh, the LAPD murdered this woman, Melly Carrado, in Silver Lake, and uh, for for no reason, out of nowhere, Trader Joe's just donated one hundred twenty five thousand dollars to the LAPD to like apologize for them uh, murdering their employee. God, yeah, Jesus, <laughs> why? That wasn't Trader Joe. That was Trader Jose. Did that? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That's a different guy. He's only in charge of a certain part of the store. Have you ever heard of the? Have you ever heard of the Kyle Kinane bit? Trader Jose. Yes, yeah. one of the greatest of all time. One of the. I do not think you could do it now. <laughs> <laughs> Even though uh, he is very self-aware of it in the bit, there is a long accent section. <laughs> Uh, regarding Trader Ming, but also Trader Ming, not part of the store anymore. So that's how change happens. 
<laughs> yeah. Subscribe to our Patreon if you want to hear those. Accents. We'll do the bit in its entirety. Of it. <laughs> yeah, we just have Kyle Kinane's album behind the paywall. <laughs> we just—it's it, just me Stealing doing comedy albums. We have an episode coming up of just me doing Dat Fan's entire act. Yes, I would pay so much money for that. Can we do that legally? Actually, well, let's look into it. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah slam that subscribe button. Yeah. <laughs> this is gonna be good. <laughs> Uh, um yeah i did see that they're paying they're paying the police department i didn't understand why <laughs> it makes no did sense did that did that part come out i don't fucking know man it's this is like when the police <laughs> shot that ups guy and the ups like was like we apologize that our employee got killed by you oh <laughs> uh, i'm click on it right now and look it up i, I don't know there was there was some like billboard and Harlem, I think that was um, someone changed. Someone wrote "fuck the police" on it, and then someone else changed it to "thank the police." Just <laughs> <laughs> recent. That's one of NWA's worst songs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you could tell they lost the plot. Yeah. All right. Do we want to cut to this interview and cut back? Okay. Well, swing oh. us in, baby. Tell us what the hell's happening. All right, I'm going to organically swing us in now. Yeah, the police are full of murderers. <laughs> but you know who okay. else is full of murderers? Is the corporate boards of the pigs of the owning class around America. And organizing against them today, we're going to switch over to our interview with David Bradley Eisenberg of the Ponzi Scream podcast. Let's go to that now. We're here live from the apartment interviewing a hot new guest, David Bradley Eisenberg from the Ponzi Scream podcast, White Collar Crime, brought to you, the American viewer. David, how you doing? I'm I'm vibing, man. I'm, I'm here. I'm ready. I'm ready to fight. You know, feeling good, man. Thanks for having me on. Are you ready to fight? Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. You won't be asked <laughs> to do that. So, uh, David is uh, working for an, an outfit known as Pageant Media, who is recently caught in the middle of a unionization push, and there's been a little bit of pushback at his office, and he's going to tell us a little bit about that today. First of all, wh what do you guys do over there? So we write about the financial sector. Uh, I specifically write about mutual funds, and I'm not going to say any more than that because uh, your readership will fall asleep because it's uh, really, really boring, but it affects, like, Every single person you know who has money in a 401k or an IRA is basically uh, like something related to a mutual fund. So it's normal people money. If you invest, it's normal people money. And so I, I cover like how those things are lawsuits about that stuff and when people are, you know, when like Wall Street is skimming off the top and stealing some money from teachers and stuff like that. So I write about that, but then people write about hedge funds, people write about other shit. And... We started uh, unionizing push uh, beginning of la or mid last year with the help of DSA Labor Branch. So shout out to them. Shout out. Uh, and we have we tried to get the editorial team uh, all together. While we were also we got together with the News Guild, and they wanted us to push to try and get salespeople. Salespeople were a little bit reluctant. We couldn't get to them, 
Only later did we find out that our salespeople, a lot of them actually have equity in the company. So that uh, was partially a reason why it was not going to happen with them. Then we have basically been, we went public about two weeks ago with our, with our union. And we are, we sought voluntary recognition, which means that we are hoping that the company will just say yes. Yes to the, yes to the union. Mm. And they... How often does that happen? <laughs> <laughs> Not that often. I mean, we, if we had a more sympathetic audience, I think that our audience is by definition the least sympathetic to our cause that you could think of. So right. we could put, if we had a sympathetic audience, like maybe like what BuzzFeed does, we could have done like a public pressure campaign and just scared the bejesus out of them, you know? That way, right, but like, that, that's not going to work in this one. <laughs> that's, yeah, we would have been like, support our union, uh, Sullivan and Cromwell Law Firm, please. And they right. would have been like, I have, I have personally eaten 14 labor leaders to get to this position. We're just like the butler at your house you despise. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to, ha- it wasn't going to happen that way, but we did it ne- uh, just to kind of, out, out of an act of good faith. Uh, and they, then we also filed uh, to have our, back covered, we filed for an election with the National Labor Relations Board. Those are the two ways that you can form a union. And we have an election uh, scheduled. It's got our ballot. So because of COVID, it's all remote. Uh, So this whole organizing thing and going public has been remote, which is weird. And now the election is going to be remote. And that is going to be this Friday is when the ballot's going out. So the campaign officially... Do you think that's a good good or bad sign, remote voting? Do you think Uh, maybe people will feel less pressure? Yeah, I mean, look, we all feel alienated at our job, right, when our boss is there. But I think that now that you are alienated from the person who is alienating you, it's kind of good. It's kind of a double negative. I mean, entirely on a speculative basis, because I've never unionized shit, because I've only worked uh, (laughs) in... Jobs beyond unionizing. Um, uh, I, I feel like there must be an intense amount of pressure to not like show your face, even associated with a unionization drive. Just because if it doesn't work out, you have the people higher up just kind of looking at you and counting, you know. And so maybe some kind of uh, detachment might even help you with that. I don't know. They, I mean, it all has to be secret. I mean, when I said we started unionizing over the past year, it is like secretly getting coffee with someone multiple times a week without your boss even knowing that you two are getting coffee. Like the whole thing has to be secret because while it is illegal to retaliate against someone for unionizing, it is incredibly common, especially before you go public with your union. So we had to be very, very, very careful. In the beginning, it was just three of us and we just had to, it was uh, just trying to, you know, feel people out, feel people whether they were, you know, they would be like, oh, yeah, I mean, I like Elizabeth Warren. And I'd be like, what does that mean? I don't know. Mm. Or like, or people would be like, code? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you'd have to kind of figure out, like, oh, he likes soccer. Maybe he'd support a union. Like, there's just weird cultural signifiers that you have to infer. And we eventually fig- we, we, we got it because our company has a lot of issues and a lot of people don't like the company. Uh, from a, especially the veterans, and you know that's a bad sign when the veterans don't like the company. Uh, we've had some serious issues with, um, like immigration issues. Just say like we are a British company, and so they have 
mishandled a lot of people's pay and benefits disparities between the UK and the US office. Um, there's been very specific immigration issues that have like totally up, upended people's lives based off of the company's negligence. I can't go into any more detail on that. Um, there have been a lot. We don't get pay- we get paid like reasonably. Any crimes? Well. Any crimes you want to share on the podcast? Um, I'm gonna save that for our attorneys to go into. <laughs> but I can't say I can't say there are some things that are uh, you would never expect a white collar office to uh, for them to be doing to be. Uh, it's not, not and, and it okay. doesn't involve child. That does it's make not, it's me like... very curious, but I'll, I'll leave it alone. Um, I guess um, so. If you're listening to this show, and maybe you have, you have a job that I mean, right now you probably don't, but let's let's say you have a job that's maybe on the on the verge of unionizing or thinking about unionizing. What what are what are some things you've learned from your drive to unionize? Is, are there any warnings you'd give yourself six months ago? Mm, good question. I would say management can be very dumb. They can be very, very dumb. They really – often okay. – most managers most managers do not know how to handle this stuff. And if you are quiet and if you're careful and you know, the, and you know who you can trust and stuff like that, then you can do this. Um, we have unionized – a publication whose readers are probably the most adversarial as you can get to the working class. Like they think the Wall Street Journal is like a little too populist for them, you know? Fantastic. And, <laughs> like, and the if we can do it, then like, uh, what's your excuse? Would be my my thing to readers. Uh, it, it takes a lot of being very a, a lot of very repetitive conversations with people. You have to just repeat over and over the same things about how you're not going to get fired, you're not going to get deported, you're not going to lose your promotion, and you just have to say it over and over. So be prepared for to say the same thing over and over again probably about 50 or 60 times to people while you're getting coffee one-on-one. Are there any low-level retaliations that you maybe didn't consider beforehand that kind of uh, irk your members, you know, like stuff you wouldn't even consider Well, um, that gets to you? Not yet, because uh, it, it's, it's still a little fresh. I mean, they have sent out some really weird emails. Um, they also, our company is the largest shareholder in our company, is a private equity firm. They just bought us in February. And so the private equity firm is being very, very deliberate about the message that they are sending, because once you go public, especially... A job, jo- like a company, does have to be very, very careful about what they say. There are a lot of things they're not allowed to say, and they basically haven't retaliated against us yet. And they're really trying to be careful about. They're not allowed to make any threats. They're not allowed to make any promises. Uh, they kind of implicitly have a few on a few occasions already. Right. Uh, that that would be kind of, but then like you know we'll send out an email like they they send out an email to the entire three hundred person office globally, and our union's email account sent out like a bit of a clap back as they say, and we got like fifteen different messages from people and like head of human resources in the London office, head of sales of set hedge fund products in the London office saying that we are being divisive and now is the time for unity. I thought one of them was going to quote Winston Churchill, some shit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like it was just like, we are in the middle of a pandemic and we can't deal with this distraction. Hashtag one pageant. And 
Uh, and then, so that's been like, a, it's been a lot of weird intimidation sort of stuff like that. And then we had, last week, we had what are called captive audience meetings. And if you... This is what I want to hear about. Yeah, baby. So a captive audience meeting is when management, upper level management, brings in three unionizing, or three workers, basically, right? Some people are supportive of the union, some people are openly supportive of the union, some people are privately supporting the union, and some people are on the fence, right? And they'll bring in them in small groups with someone, a like independent management consultants, independent union consultants who presents the, they say they want to present the management side of the story. Uh, this guy, by the way, uh, total doofus, man. It was just so weird talking to him. He, uh, I, I want to give you a little bit of detail about him. Uh, this guy is, okay. as a human resources manager, he calls himself, and he may be, uh, uh, he calls himself like a, a grill master on his LinkedIn like he's like he's he's like he's like uh you know I consider myself uh you know I'm a un- I'm a consultant who breaks up unions and I'm also a grill master I I, I just really uh, <laughs> and this is his LinkedIn profile and it's just uh it's pretty hilarious so he comes in and he talks to us about how you know a union will there's no guarantees and a union will make you sign things in a contract that you don't want they will make coronavirus last forever. They will uh, fill all the holes and bagels. So that way, they're actually more like thick toast. They will. Um... Is he comparing everything to grill analogies? Does it come <laughs> up again, or yeah. that's just that's a red herring to make you think he's going to be more fun than he is? Yeah, he's just like uh, the union wants well done uh, ribs, and that's just unconscionable. We can't have. Right. We need to have some juicy pork ribs. Hard work is the juice of our company. <laughs> and when you when you grill it out, you're going to lose everything that makes us delicious in the first place. Exactly. It's like, and human resources is the barbecue sauce of our of our company. And a union is just bringing in a different sauce. And we calibrated this dry rub for this sauce. Anyways. So, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I'm, as a personal lover of barbecue sauce, I was captivated, and now I understand why he includes the grill stuff because it does immediately make me like him more. <laughs> so we had that. It's like an hour long meeting with the CEO, two of my bosses. One is in London, one's in the U.S., and then three of us, or and then like maybe two other people, and we're just listening to this guy deliver this PowerPoint about all the bad things that a union does, and every single employee has to go through that. And now they're this week they're doing one-on-ones where they're literally every single manager is like having a one-on-one conversation with people. Um, but again, I, I do think that it's a little bit helpful that we're remote because we can just be on our WhatsApp, union WhatsApp right. chat. I mean, like, <laughs> LOL, like, you know. If you don't have to physically walk into their office, that's far less intimidating for what is clearly on its face an intimidation tactic. Precisely. Oh, you want to unionize? Go tell that to your boss's face right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, you know, I, I think that like part of intimidation is is smell and pheromones, and those yeah. don't tra- those don't travel over Zoom yet. So no, he they can't do like the the Donald Trump handshake where he pulls you over to him. Yeah, <laughs> electronically yet. Not yet. No, Elon no Musk you guys kind of lucked out that. in this one tiny aspect of this. In one way, yeah, it's been helpful. It's it's even the playing field a little bit for us. 
Sure. Um, okay, well, I wish you best of luck this Friday. Is there anything else uh, our listeners should know about this union drive? No, I think I think we can do it. Uh, please follow us on Twitter. Uh, we need as many followers as we can get. Please follow We Are PMWG. So W E A R E P M W G on Twitter and retweet all our stuff. We want and need to have as much support as possible. Uh, all mo- media is having a unionization push, like the entire industry is just going union. And please follow all unionizing media outlets, whether they are the Bradenton News Journal or the Palm Beach Gazette. We need everyone, they all need as as many followers as possible because public pressure is basically the only leverage that we have, especially when we get into contract negotiations. So please uh, publicly support as much as you can. Follow them on Twitter. David, thanks so much for coming on and good luck. Hey, thanks, man. And uh, if if you can, uh, we also, uh, I have a, a freelance project that I run uh, with, I think, a friend of, of your show, uh, Danny Feltz and Gabe Pacheco. We run uh, a white-collar crime podcast called Ponzi Scream. Check that out. Uh, wherever podcasts are available, we talk about white-collar crime. We uh, talk about, like, how the Amish, some, some like, ice cream shop owner, like, f- fleeced the Amish for $60 million. And we just have fun fun with stuff like that, you know? And I wouldn't we, think the Amish have $60 million. They didn't, and that was why this guy got in trouble. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, so we talk about that stuff. Uh, we talk about we go into a little bit more detail. Like I think that a lot of people talk about why is Puerto Rico so broke. We actually go into some specific detail about that. It goes back to like some obscure law from 1917 that's governing territories. And then we also talk about really, really specific stuff. Some of it I actually cover during at my day job but i actually get to talk about it uh in a way that how it relates to us normal people uh things like that so we'll talk we we talk about things like you know financial sector arbitration expungement and why uh it's very very weird uh and yeah it's just a a messed up little world so that's uh that's ponzi scream right definitely check it out if you're a dumb guy like me who can't really wrap his mind around any kind of financial crisis or white collar crime um they'll do it for you baby go check them out (laughs) thanks again for coming on thanks alex and we're back um Best of luck to them in their organizing routes. Yeah. Hey, go start a union. If they can do it in their finance journalism outfit, I'm sure you can too. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, there are pre- still precarious people who are who have stay-at-home jobs who are, you know, also uh, looking to be radicalized. Right. Or at least looking to organize. You know, it was extremely cool. I'm not sure if we've mentioned this on the show before. DSA Labor Branch in New York City was sending out texts saying, if you're a DSA member and need money to make rent, we can find you a job as an essential worker. Yeah. I don't know. I thought that was extremely cool. Respect for that. Do you remember when people were like, the DSA is for bros and it's for fucking, you know, like dumb college kids and shit? It's so fucking stupid to think about that. And then now society's collapsing and this organization is like you know helping people get jobs during a, a the economic apocalypse right what right, a right. dumb it thing is to not have an thought. organization for stupid 
stupid college students. It's an organization for stupid grad students. (laughs) (laughs) They've taken a lot of school. They know how they have some good ideas. I guess it's what I'm getting at is like stupid grad students as opposed to what? Like that's you need stupid grad students to be organizing like pipelines for people to get jobs during an apocalypse. That's like a pretty good thing for stupid grad students to be happening. So when you like shit on it, you're like shitting on it from a position of going, well, I'm doing something better. And like, what the fuck was that? Right. There's so many who people who uh, abstain membership. They're like, you know what? There's too many people in DSA like me. So I'm not going to (laughs) join until they shape up. Yeah. And get more. And it's, and it's like, yeah, I mean, obviously we, the goal of most members I know is to uh, expand and look more like the working class, but that doesn't happen overnight. Like, no, it's it's very common in history. It's like an organization doesn't begin the way it ends up. Like, you have to start with what you got, and then you you build from there. Yeah. I mean, this isn't how they would phrase it, but it is almost one to one with there are too many dudes at this party (laughs) (laughs) gotta wait it out till it's a little more uh mano a mano you know what i'm saying (laughs) yeah man on man man on man that's not man on man where one man is the working class and the other man is an ally there you go (laughs) mano a mano is hand to hand oh right whatever not Uh, if you don't know spanish it's not I think it's Latin. Well, you know who was really um, mano a mano <laughs> was the late Ted Kennedy. <laughs> he was really hand to hand, really hands on guy. Oh my god! How did you do that? <laughs> That's a good point, Anders. He was really a hands on guy. Wait, wait, hold on. I am. Oh, wait, never mind. This isn't the real Trump account. I was going to say Trump just shared the three amigos picture and said, happy Zingo de Mayo. Dude, he just. Do you know what he did today? It was a parody. Sorry, we'll get to the Ted Kennedy thing in a second. Do you know what he just did today? It's Cinco de Mayo. He retweeted the picture of him eating the taco bowl from 2016 when he was running for president. <laughs> oh, God. Where he was like, look, Kay. I love Mexicans. He retweeted it. And, he just, <laughs> and the caption was, remember this. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god because he's he knows what works it, it, it it's triggering lips you know that made a bunch of lives upset and got his made his base happy remember this is the funniest thing you could say about something like this it's just no other captions this is happy happy hashtag single tomorrow <laughs> oh man that's so fucking funny uh. <laughs> He deserves to be our president. All right. I think that every two weeks. Right. Why did you want to talk about Ted Kennedy? Okay, well, so this week, right, we're hearing a lot about the Tara Reid allegations and Biden is denying it. People are walking back everything they've ever said about, you know, victims and believing women. Um, and, uh you know, of course, Biden's vice president is going to be a woman. And, uh, man, I don't uh, envy her, whoever she may be, you know, having to basically clean up after his uh, assaults and, you know, uncomfortable touching. Um, Does the vice president have to do that? 
Yeah, if you're Joe Biden's vice president. <laughs> I mean, that's what, patrol. <laughs> that's what the, the job's going to be, is a buffer for him just being a creep. You're going to say, like, oh, would I be a creep if I let, you know, Amy Klobuchar be my second in command? Right. Before before you meet with Joe Biden, Kamala Harris comes in the room and is like, now everybody keep your hands in your pockets. <laughs> the president is coming in. But uh, so his uh, VP committee right, to choose the vice president is headed by Christopher Dodd, former Connecticut senator, um, who I knew, you know, I, I remember him running for president in 2008, but I didn't realize that he has sort of a history of some uh, not safe for work behavior uh, <laughs> with this, this article from GQ is going around from 1990 about Ted Kennedy, who like I knew he was kind of you know, a philanderer, but I had no idea right. the extent of just god awful shit. Well, uh, we all knew he killed that girl in Chappaquiddick, right? Which he, you know, there's a like, movie about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but after that, you would think that, like, okay, that's when he really, you know, cleaned up and and got on the straight and narrow. Oh, but man. oh no, once a dog, there was always no straight a dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, you you shared this article with us. Now it's kind of like, why am I reading this? And then I was just like, I don't fucking care anymore. This is the craziest shit <laughs> I've ever heard. First, first of all, the context of his life, that he is such a fucking uh, wild drunk, but also multiple members of his family have been publicly executed. <laughs> so it kind of makes sense even. And it's just like the most fascinating man in America. And he's just like going into restaurants and grabbing the waitresses and throwing them onto tables. Yeah. And throwing them onto Chris Dodd. <laughs> I mean, now it was now, yeah. Finding, uh, uh, finding a woman, you know, like Kennedy's staff would do for, right. For him, find dates in D.C. in the 80s. But finding, yeah, I mean, uh, in their defense, they have a lot of experience finding women. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> but the weird kind of paradox here is the article opens with, like, him getting up super early and just, like, you know, going straight to work and talking about how effective of a senator he is. Uh, and he also has, like, some sort of, like, twitch in his hand that, you know, it, you, you kind of are sympathetic to him. And then... <laughs> Right as five o'clock strikes, he just becomes, he just like hits the sauce. And there's a story about him like meeting a 16 year old outside a nightclub in, in DC. And then a limo just like pulls up and he opens the door and there's already champagne on ice in the limo. Fuck. And he asks, <laughs> he tries to get her to have dinner with him. Um, and she worked for him too. Oh yeah, a bunch of people work for him. There's the T-shirt girl from uh, from Massachusetts and like the beach town that he goes in the summer. And apparently in that town, they they had a saying where it's not officially summer until Ted Kennedy drives on the sidewalk. Yeah, dude. <laughs> He's like a. <laughs> He's like is... when you go to a small town in like the middle of Europe, and there's like a lake monster who takes a girl every summer, <laughs> but he keeps the harvest coming, so we have to give it. <laughs> He's like Billy Joel or something, or like an entire. Yeah. There's a level of drunk you can become where you're like kind of a joke, kind of a warning to an entire community, like. <laughs> don't go outside after 8 p.m. because you know that's when Billy's head. There's Kennedy's out yeah. there. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Well, this is strange. It's like, like we said, like this is after Chappaquiddick, and he's still driving around drunk and harassing women. Like it took him thirty years after he became he became his, his last job was senator of Massachusetts, and he got it in nineteen sixty two. And like, I guess you can't help but like get sort of good at at a job if you have it that long. So that's like, I guess what happened. Um, but like by all, you know, standards that we supposedly hold politicians to, he should have been out of public life by the, before Chappaquiddick. Like he was, you know, doing all kinds of, you know, forcing himself on women. Uh, there's a story about how he went to Alaska and then on the way back, he just started like pelting the press with pillows <laughs> and like walking around the plane drunk and like muttering about how he was going to get killed next to um, give an idea of how unacceptable this was this was a scandal in 1990 <laughs> <laughs> yeah and even after this he was like peripherally involved in a rape uh by one of his nephews um who was acquitted but uh and, and then he still was reelected in 1994, and he did actually finally, finally, like clean up. But that's after like 30 to 40 years of just being a belligerent booze hound and like assaulter. Right, just um, like hellish debauchery on a <laughs> national, international scale for 40 years. <laughs> I mean, uh, and it's sad too because I was. Uh, looking into this a little bit, how he, he challenged Jimmy Carter in 1980 for the Democratic nomination, even though he was a sitting president. And with during that time, he was just really unhinged, too. Like, he would just begin his speeches in French for no oh, reason. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone would be like, I have no idea what was going on. But they still, like, ate it up. And everybody knew about Chappaquiddick. But because there's... And this is definitely a thing with, like, Irish Americans who are over, like, 50 or 60. Like, if you say anything bad about the Kennedys, like, their face will go from, like, blue to purple to yellow to red, you know? Right, They just, like, right. change colors in front of you. Like, the Kennedys! The Kennedys the are only, dynasty! They said we, were, we had a line directly to the Pope! You don't know what we've been through! <laughs> There is no better argument that Americans just want to return to monarchy than talking to any Boston family about the Kennedys for five minutes. <laughs> but it's sad because this his 1980 run that was like the last stand of American like Great Society New Deal welfare liberalism. Like that was it, you know. Uh, he had it all on the line because it's it's like and it's been something I've been thinking about new now with Joe Biden. Like, you know, OK, he's done something terrible. Right. But is what he, you know, probably did with uh, Tara Reid, is that even any worse than voting for the Iraq war? And like, what are the you know consequences you have to add up if you're you know voting in a swing state? But with like Kennedy and Carter, I don't know what I would have done in, in 1980, but like it's yeah, Carter is a genuinely good and decent human being who is also has awful politics and is like sending the Democratic Party uh, to the middle, you know, sending it in a more corporate uh, deficit hawk direction. But he's the better person, you know. So who do you who do you vote vote for in that scenario? I mean, we all well, know what, what you happens. need to know right now is uh, if you're wondering 
what Joe Biden's team looks like. It's just the guys who are running the Ferris Bueller's Day Off Kennedy uh, machine for 30 years before this. Right. So from the article... <laughs> no changes! Uh, <laughs> so from the article, uh, he's going to a, um, a bar with, with Chris Dodd, and Kennedy sees Chris Dodd's framed photo on the wall, and he says, who's this guy? And he grabs the photo off the wall, oh, yeah. throws it on the ground, breaks the glass, <laughs> and then Dodd does the same thing. And they they do the Mexican hat dance on their, their <laughs> photos. Man, holy shit! So many politicians are like horrible human beings just by nature of being politicians. But if they just weren't, if they just worked in the private sector, would be like the coolest person of all time. It would just be legend. Yeah, <laughs> like that's so funny. That's what the movie Wolf of Wall Street is about. <laughs> Yeah, so so they like we said earlier, they they are at La Brasserie, which is uh, is now closed. But they go in they go in the back room, and this is a back room where Kennedy has had sex with women, uh, and they've had like three or four cocktails in a half hour. Um, and the waitress comes in, and they Kennedy just like picks her up and throws her on Dodd, and they're like, you know, the pants are down. Um, she leaps up and, and gets out of the room um, and died is saying like, oh, it's not my fault. And then Kennedy says, uh, makes you wonder about the leaders of this country, which is a very telling quote, you know, it really like, does make it's a, it's true. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> like he's self-aware enough to know that like, this is debaucherous behavior, but like thinks he's above it, I guess, thinks he's invincible or just like doesn't is like, you know, some people have speculated not to get too psychoanalytical that he like genuinely didn't want to become president, so he did this stuff like to get out of that. Oh, which is it's interesting. It's the same. It's the same behavior like an '80s action movie shows the bad guy doing to justify Rambo blowing his brains out in three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> one for one, the same. <sighs> yeah. So anyway, the article is uh, called Ted Kennedy on the Rocks. It's uh, GQ. Hell yeah. It's, it's, it's a wild read. Man. All right. I love it. We're going to wind this baby down? Yeah, let's fucking wind this down. I don't have anything else to talk about this week. I watched um, How to Survive a Plague the other night, which is a movie about Oh, do you know now? Yeah. <laughs> I watched it because I wanted to, you know, for instructions. And uh, you watch? I just read the Wiki How article. <laughs> yeah, it's weird because they don't offer the, any, any of the instructions in either of those. Um, it's a movie about ACT UP and like its sort of formation during the AIDS crisis and eventually getting like one medication approved that saved like six million people's lives, and it's not even. It's not, it's not even like really it doesn't even get up to like where we are now with AIDS where there's like prep and shit like that and kind of a, uh more advanced medication but I, the thing that was like so weird about it to me was that it, Dr. Fauci was just in it a bunch of times like and over the course of his life so like the 10 years that the AIDS crisis was in full effect right up until ACT UP was able to like sort of ram through you know, or protest enough to ram through certain legislation. 
he was just around. He was the guy back then. It's weird. He looks like Andy Samberg when he's young, and uh, <laughs> it, it's which is really weird because he was they had some they had Brad Pitt play him on SNL because he just like made a dumb fucking normie guy joke about how he's like, well, if someone's gonna play me, I'm gonna be Brad Pitt. But uh, I don't know. He's kind of a fascinating character to me because like people are doing Robert Mueller shit with him. They're like standing him real hard, and he's extremely apolitical, like Robert Mueller, like where he's just like he j- just all of his politics revolve around his job. So like back then, right. he also was just like he's a disease gumshoe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like during the AIDS crisis, he wasn't really like that bad. He was just like the front like representative for uh, whatever the fuck his specific job is. In this documentary, he's just like, fuck, I don't know. Like, There's like people with AIDS just like <laughs> screaming at him, and he's just like, oh, we have to follow the rules. Um, and he's, you know, I don't know. He, he's occupying a similar space right now. Everyone thinks he's going to save us. I don't really understand. I don't know. Uh, I don't know why I brought this up. I guess I'm trying to like draw some sort of parallel between what's happening right now and the AIDS crisis, but it's not. It's not not a similar situation because that was a situation where like a you know a, a marginalized group of people were protesting the government because you know everyone was denying that the reality of a pandemic was happening because it was only right. happening to a certain group of people. Now it's happening to everyone, and we're denying it because because it's happening to everyone, or we're not. Denying people it. are talking too about Fauci getting fired. And I think he's going to last, but he's will he's going to last until he's named Time Person of the Year, and Trump will get jealous and then fire him. <laughs> if I'm predicting, he would be Time's Person of the Year, wouldn't he? It's either him or it's like everyone or something. <laughs> yeah, the essential worker. Thank them. Thank them. Yeah. Thank them. Fly, fly the planes police. near them. They love planes. <laughs> 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 the blue angel pilots will be yeah <laughs> the real blue angels are essential workers man there you go the blue angel thing i came up with that right i now. forgot to mention this when we were talking about that a couple episodes ago but uh i was uh i was jacking off a few days ago and i accidentally finished <laughs> nice dude. right <laughs> as like the neighborhood started clapping for the nurses as they were getting out of the train. <laughs> it's like, oh, this, this feels so cool. <laughs> it's like everyone's... This is what I've wanted the whole time. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, nice. God, I wish I had done that with the Blue Angels. It would have been so fucking funny. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> you bust is the flyover. <laughs> uh, thank you for <laughs> saluting me or whatever. I don't know. All right. All right um, well, I have an exciting start to plugs. I want to plug a congratulations to Elon Musk and Grimes <laughs> for their first child, yeah, X. Titan AEX45 or whatever its name is. <laughs> it's going to be a strong, uh, uh, maniacal child that will one day harbinger the end times. And I, for one, applaud your fertilization, sirs. Here's Reddit Gold. Um, I would also like to thank everyone who listened to Pedophile High School last week. Uh, got really good feedback from anyone who actually opened it. <laughs> <laughs> um, just to have something to do, I'm going to try to make a new episode every month. Uh, in the core. 
cranking out content in the core. So keep listening for that. I don't know where I'm going to put it, but more episodes to come. And follow me on Twitter at Patak Jokes. Um, I just have the Patreon of this podcast and Why You Mad and it's Patreon to plug. And that's it, I think. Nice, nice. What about you, Anders? Uh, let's see. I'm trying to plug the thing I talked about earlier, which is um, DSA uh, create, helping create resources for online workers, uh, not just DSA. Um Check out fight.ueunion.org. Um, they are providing information for for essential and non-essential workers who are uh, getting laid off or interested in unionizing and uh, hazard pay. There's a lot of good info there. All right. All right. I'm going to plug Ted Kennedy. Check him out. <laughs> no, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> what about him? I don't know. <laughs> um, I guess we're having a meeting about this. He well, you know, one thing that uh, uh, certain essential workers, bartenders, have been doing during the mm, pandemic yes. is, uh, you know, doing virtual bartending on Zoom, where you, you know, they can't make you a drink and hand it through the screen, but you can make your own drink and then hang out with your friend that you usually go to because they're a bartender and then you tip them virtually right so it's like a virtual cheers we can cheers to ted kennedy now you know <laughs> we can Im- imagine that he's hanging out with us virtually and that'll right maybe... and he's just there and he's like i'm touching you pretend i'm touching you <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is we should i can't be stopped i'm too powerful and i'm touching i'm <laughs> plugging cybering with ted kennedy i think that's something that might help <laughs> us make it through this oh bruh. it's a shame it came to this <laughs> all right listen i'm sorry that merch took so long to send out i had a bike accident and smashed my head on the concrete um but i'm sending it out after we record this podcast so if you ordered a shirt it's coming soon assume it, if it doesn't come now if it takes a long time from this point on then it's the like the postal service's fault not mine it's a goddamn government yeah Trying to stop you from wearing a sick t-shirt <laughs> in time for the summer of the damned. Yeah. The stupid children's shirts. I guess we have to make those. No, that's not good. I don't know. All right. Let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> it's finished. It's finished.